Hello friends, you might have noticed us talking a lot about AI and productivity lately. Now it's time to walk the talk. We have partnered with Samsung to show you what their latest and most capable phone, Galaxy S24 Ultra, can do in your busy everyday life. For example, we ourselves are using Samsung's transcript assist capabilities to transcribe and summarize the conversations with our guests. And you can do it too in your meetings. It captures the voice perfectly and you will not need to spend any time trying to distill the essence from the presentation that your boss is giving on synergy, being a family and thinking outside the box, you know, those things. Samsung also offers another cool feature that I've not seen anywhere else, live translate. This means you can call any phone, even a landline from your Galaxy device and it will do live translation to 13 languages, French, Spanish, Italian. We all know many people in those countries don't speak English and now you can book a table in that restaurant in Rome and have full confidence that they actually took down your reservation. And last but not least, you can literally circle to search anything by just circling an object on the screen at any time. Previously, what you had to do, take a screenshot, then you upload it to a search engine, but not anymore. So that jacket someone's wearing on Instagram, just draw a circle around it and your Galaxy AI will find it. So stop wasting your time and brain power on these small everyday things. Head to our LinkedIn page to see how we are using Samsung Galaxy AI ourselves and become a scrappiness machine. Check out samsung.lv as well to find out more. Links in episode notes. We had Skype's exit to eBay, which was the first time most Estonians heard the name startup or nobody really knew what it is. And one thing that you, uh, he said uh, was that um, after you come from a company where you're adding a quarter of a million users a day, you invest in the startup and now you need to go to a party where people are celebrating their first 10,000 users. It's like really hard to <laughs> force yourself to celebrate that again. To be happy. Yeah. yeah. If you continue like 20, 25% annual growth across this entire tech sector, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden you will have like 30%, one third of the country's GDP coming from tech exports. And then you're like, okay, I thought these are like kids playing with apps in the corner. <laughs> My entrepreneurial life started in the first internet boom. And so when I look at many things happening in crypto and decentralized uh, protocols and and sort of this very nascent attempts to create more of a citizen-owned internet, like many of these things remind me of mid-90s. This episode is brought to you in cooperation with our friends from Tartu Startup Day. They just hosted an amazing three-day business theme festival in August, and they are coming back with another one already in March 2023. So, you know what this is about. Check them out on startupday.ee. I honestly had not seen so many people sharing how impressed they are with the event on social media as I saw from Startup Day 2022. This year they had close to 200 speakers, they had unicorn founders, they had Prime Minister of Estonia, everyone was there, including our hero of today's episode and many more guests that we also have had on the podcast. So block your calendars for March 15 to March 17, 2023 and go to startupday.ee. That's startupday.ee. Or look for a link in our episode description to learn more. Hello, hello, dear listeners. Welcome to another episode of the Pursuit of Scrappiness podcast. Whether you're building a business, running a team, or just starting out in your career, we are here to bring you scrappy and actionable insights to help you become more productive. My name is Old Starold Counts, and my co-host is Jan Zeps. Hey, Jan. Hello. Before we start... Please subscribe to our feed wherever you listen to our podcast, not to miss any episodes and to help others discover the poor of scrappiness. 
that's something that you always have to remember when you when you listen to us. But without further ado, today we are very happy to welcome an Estonian tech OG, one of the most impactful players in the field in Europe, uh, Stan Tamkovi. Hi, Stan. Hey, great to be here. And if you called an OG, should I say yo? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Definitely. A short intro about Stan for those of you who don't know. So Stan is one of the co-founders of Plural Platform. Uh, an investment platform to support building European early stage companies into legendary GDP level impact businesses. Stan is also a Stanford grad, a co-founder of NFT Port, partner at Tavit plus Stan, founder and exeter of Teleport, ex-entrepreneur in residence at Andreessen Horowitz and multiple key role holder at Skype. And I could go on and on and on. Quite an impressive resume. So so today we're going to see what kind of value we can extract from such, uh, such experienced tech uh, entrepreneur. We want to talk today about something that you have uh, written as, as a mission of, uh, of uh, your latest engagement plural platform building of GDP level impact companies. And basically, so we want to talk about what does it mean for an investor to, to, to build GDP level impact or to have a GDP level impact, but to, to take it a bit back. So I guess first would be the question, uh, what prompted you to even take up angel investing to the next level, you know, beginning with Stavit plus 10 as a already a more organized than just having uh, standalone angel investments. And now you know, evolving into plural. As you point out already, it's it's kind of an evolution. And as you as you might have noticed, many tech founders actually become investors kind of involuntarily. You you're still building your own companies, you're having a job at the bigger company, whatever, and all of a sudden your friend starts a company and asks for your advice and you put a little bit of money in and and the sooner than you realize you might have a angel portfolio of ten things that you're kinda involved in. And the same thing happened to me. So I've been investing since, uh, since 2005, 2006, basically when, when I was at Skype and eBay came around and, and, uh, me and my friends all of a sudden realized we have a little bit of money and, and some of us are starting companies. And, uh, and so in this decade plus of angel investing, I ended up with a portfolio of about 40, 42, 45 companies, uh, that I was, uh, involved in, in some ways. And about two years ago, when I was contemplating going full on into portfolio mode, that instead of building another company myself, actually then focus on this, helping other founders start theirs, I was looking at that portfolio and realized that it's it's enough to keep you busy, but it's not enough to build proper structure around. Like you're still, uh, you're still sort of going to be a very solo um, uh, sort of investor. And I've never been a solo founder. I've always liked working with other people. And that's why we teamed up with Tavit, uh, who was in a similar place coming out. We, 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 we know with each other with Tavit for many years. Uh, after Skype, he was building Transferwise. And just coming out of that job, he was also thinking of, should I become an investor now? And he was looking at his portfolio, 150 companies. And, and we combined those things. And that's how Tavit Plus 10 was born. And uh, last year... Um, we we got together with a few friends, uh, Ian Hogarth and Khaled Heliou, uh, and uh, decided that actually this notion of experienced entrepreneurs, hands-on operators, helping early stage um, entrepreneurs in the very first stages of the company is 
we feel it's super useful and we realized how underserved European founders are compared to, let's say, for example, Silicon Valley ones. So if you look at the top US VC firms, more than 60% of the general partners at, at these top tier firms have actually built a company before, uh, mm. the CEO or a founder. In Europe, that there is statistics that that percentage is eight. So only 8% mm. of the investors have, have firsthand experience from that. Which means that 92% of the European investors, they, they can be amazing investors and, and great at what they do, but there's still this little bit of empathy uh, that you, you only can have when you've been in the shoes of that early stage entrepreneur. And, um, and so this is why we created Plural with Ian, Khaled and Tavit. And, uh, um, and we, we think that that's a real gap in the market is how do we take people uh, from uh, company building backgrounds who want to invest in other European entrepreneurs and give them the tools and the funds so that instead of dabbling with small angel tickets, they can actually go in and lead multi-million euro rounds. And so that's what we do at Plural. It's a, it's a growing list of founders backing founders uh, that are going after sort of very big ambitious companies and putting in not just their own money, but also pulling money from the Plural fund that we raised and also contributing a significant amount of their own time to help build the companies better. So you did raise some kind of, uh, I don't know, call it institutional or LP money. So it's no longer just just you and uh, Tavit, right? Yes, correct. It's um, uh, the first vintage of Plural. We raised 250 million euros. Um, and uh, there is still a sizable chunk of that is the money from the founders and the people investing through the platform. So the, the was known in the industry as GP commit or what's the percentage of funds that is coming from the people investing. Very typically you see that being one to 2%. And in our case, it's, it's a double digit, uh, sort of size, sizable chunk. But, um, th- even when you look at entrepreneurs who have been successful in what they do and built amazing companies, the level of financial outcomes still vary. And so one thing that we're trying to do with the fund is that uh, th- th- what the plural structure does is, is that in any deal that anybody wants to lead from the plural partners, uh, you have to put your own money into the deal. So if you, if you are bringing a company to plural and say that you want to lead their series C, their series A, you have to put 1% of your personal liquid net worth into that company. And that differs what it is for different people. For someone, it might be 50,000. Somebody might be 250,000. For someone, it might be a million. And whatever is lacking after that for you to leading that round, you can pull from the fund. So that fund is more mm. of an equalizing function that it's, mm-hmm. uh, everybody has sizable or skin in the game that matters to them. But at the same time, the kinds of rounds that you can lead doesn't depend on your personal wealth uh, in the end. So it's uh, it's uh, it's a structure that took us a while to come up with, and, and we we are quite optimistic that that's a, a good balance of uh, personal commitment and and then leveraging up with with other people's money. That's actually interesting. So one percent of your of individuals' net worth, which could really vary, right? Yes, interesting. I guess that uh, with with these uh, explanations, the the word plural makes more and more and more sense uh, <laughs> with every sentence. Absolutely, it's a, it's a, and we we spent quite a bit of time finding that name. Uh, so the concept was there before the name. Um, 
but the the core idea there is that none of us are interested in building a hierarchical boutique VC firm where we could sort of the four four co-founders should grow up and retire and and uh, sort of live a nice life and play golf and enjoy. And, uh, yeah, all these things. So we we are builders and operators. Like we we think about plural in the terms of company building and product building. So our intent is to build a scalable platform where right now it's the four co-founders plus we have three more people already investing with us. Um, uh, we want it to be 10 by the beginning of next year and maybe 20 a year later. And who knows if it's going to be 40 from there on. But basically building a mechanism that can scale and the success of plural shouldn't be measured in in like how many deals do we personally do or what what's the sort of our personal sort of uh, share of the activity, but rather like what is the overall impact of plural as a platform that is horizontally scaling on the growth of legendary European tech companies, and that's where we that's where we get to your original question about GDP and and this impact is kind of like. Um, we had a friend um, or have a friend called uh, who, who, who left Skype early on and became a VC uh, already after Skype had become successful. And one thing that you uh, he said uh, was that after you come from a company where you're adding a quarter of a million users a day, you invest in the startup and now you need to go to a meet, like a party where people are celebrating their first 10,000 users. It's like really hard to force <laughs> yourself to celebrate that again. To be happy, yeah. Yeah, but that's that's like what what actually every company starts with. And and uh, so the, you need to find this sort of, uh, for a healthy ecosystem, you need to find this balance between celebrating the f- humble beginnings, but at the same time satisfying the appetite to people who already send bigger numbers and give them a mechanism how to get to bigger, bigger impact. So one thing that Tavit has been occasionally saying is that... Uh, uh, coming out of WISE and taking WISE public, like it would be fun to build one more WISE, but it's even more f- fun to build 100 more WISEs. And so plural, the aspiration of plural is to us to find a mechanism how we can build not one or two companies each, but hundreds of companies that, that actually, as a sum, have this GDP level impact. And uh, I understand that it's relatively open-ended, right? So obviously, I guess you don't take uh, everybody as a partner, but uh, but it sounds to me like it's 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 relatively relatively open. Yeah? Uh, yes, it's um, the kinds of people that we would imagine investing through Plural. It's it's kind of a a natural evolutional cycle of an ecosystem. Like if we want people who have built great companies, then we need to have enough great companies and these companies have to get to a stage where these founders are actually exiting and they now mm. want to do something else. And very often what you see is that uh, very successful founders found multiple companies in a row. So it, it might take even, even several cycles of that. And so uh, I think as with many things like Silicon Valley in the US, uh, like the the boom of it, as we know, dates back to like 1970s, the venture capital boom and all, all of that. So it's like a 40-year cycle that has led to a maturity that we're seeing today, given that many of those sort of company building waves have started a little bit later. I think we're just getting to that phase where you will see more and more people who have this sort of 
experience, um, uh, like uh, I don't know, Daniel Ek coming out of Spotify mm-hmm. and now investing, and, and other other founders like uh, him in other contexts like gaming and so forth, Phil Kapanen in Finland and so forth. Uh, some of these people will probably keep investing solo. Some of them might join a VC fund or create one and whatnot. But we expect that uh, a whole number of them uh, hopefully will find Plural as the good mechanism how to how to invest. And we're designing Plural. So kind of Plural is like a two-sided market. Like on one side, we we want to be attractive with our product and offering for the founders building a new company and getting access to so the people who uh, who have been there before and can help them. And at the same time, we need to build Plural as a product for what we jokingly call the unemployables, like people who don't actually need to get the job in their life anymore and can choose to do whatever. But what is what makes Plural attractive for the unemployables to use this as the mechanism that they invest through? And it's, it might be the flexibility and, and dynamics of the group. It might be the peer support and help and becoming a better investor. It might be having somebody else deal with the annoyance of raising money for a fund. And like, like mm. all these things combined is something that we, we constantly discuss and think how, how we can build better. How does one uh, spot a GDP level company? First of all, I think it's a little bit too much to expect one single company to uh, change the GDP mm. of a country. It can sometimes happen, like in countries like Iceland. <laughs> Depends unity, on the country, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> unity can have a massive impact or in Luxembourg, like two two companies having their headquarters there can have a GDP level impact. No. But, uh, if you look at Estonia, for example, uh, which is obviously our, our example close to our hearts, um, it's um, in 2005, we had Skype's exit to eBay, which was the first time most Estonians heard the name startup or nobody mm-hmm. really knew what it is. Um, and besides Skype, there was Playtech was another company that became to be listed in, in the UK. Mm-hmm. Now, fast forward 15, 17 years, you have 10 unicorns, 49 teams building, uh, more than 1% of Estonian working population works in startups. And mm. the uh, the overall contribution is is more like three percent of GDP comes from startups, and and if you extrapolate that to two thousand thirty, um, if you continue like twenty twenty five percent annual growth across this entire tech sector, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden you will have like thirty percent, one third of the country's GDP coming from tech exports, and then you're like, okay, I thought these are like kids playing with apps in the corner, <laughs> so it's like. It's it's. I think that's more the trend that uh, that it takes more than one company, but it takes a a healthy ecosystem and a group of very successful breakthrough companies that are going after really big global markets and really solving big big problems yeah. in the world and capture that value. Uh, but in order for a few of those companies to be born, there are many hundreds or more that need to try it. So so that. I think is the formula how you can actually change a country's GDP. In your mind, what are those industries that you you think can 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 make a global impact? The industries you yourself are passionate about. Well, I see you have a Ready Player Me uh, hoodie, so so I guess uh, answers, is yeah. something that that might be a bit interesting. Yeah, for me, uh, somehow a majority of my investments through Plural now are related to Web three in one way or another, and that's I'm very bullish about that as a domain. Because my entrepreneurial 
life started in the first internet boom. And so the, when I look at many things happening in crypto and decentralized uh, protocols and, and sort of this very nascent attempts to create more of a citizen-owned internet like uh, like we do with NFT port, for example, um, like many of these things remind me of mid-90s. Like uh, everything is slow, mm. apps, apps look ugly, sometimes they break, there's a lot of hacking and all of that. But fast forward 10 years, we all know where it ended up, right? So so I think we're on the verge of a very dramatic shift in power on the internet. And and that's very, very interesting for me. Like like distributed systems, open source systems, uh, users who participate in economic value. Like mm-hmm. I think th- this is super important for a healthy inter- internet in the long term. So that's that's my personal interest. I wouldn't say it's the only thing I invest in, but like somehow in this window in time, that's where I've gotten most excited. Um, on a broader sense, if I look at what what my peers in plural are looking at, um, there is a lot of climate uh, related things, problems mm-hmm. to be solved, energy creation, energy storage, transmission, uh, some very very hardcore deep tech, material sciences, physics related companies, mm-hmm. all the way to some service companies that deal with uh, with the business models in energy. Um, there is um, Khaled in particular has been investing very consciously behind reducing opportunity gap. Um, like one thing that technology has done around the world is that the, the, like this gentrification that may, in many corners of the world, the tech guys or girls can live a very nice and decent life, but they, they might leave the rest of the society behind. So how do we reduce that is mm-hmm. it through education? Is it through access to finances, whatever? Uh, Ian publishes a state of the AI report uh, for Europe for many years. Uh, and because of that, he, he sees a lot of fantastic teams in sort of machine learning and, and sort mm. of deep tech spaces. So, so that some of that obviously turns into, into plural pipeline as well and so forth and so forth. So, so the interesting thing is that as plural again, it's not the VC fund in a, in a classical sense. We don't have a thesis for the fund. You can't apply for an investment from the fund. It's more about the leads and the people investing through this structure. So, so the, the overall thesis is like what people investing actually care about personally, where they feel that this topic and this mission is so important that they actually want to invest their personal time into this company as well. Um, and, and then money follows only those things. So it's like a, a sum of the passions of all the, all the lead investors. Well, something we need to clarify is how does one get in? Actually, how does one pitch an idea then, uh, you know, if, if they want you as an investor and plural as investor? As there is no application form, I understand. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. It's like kind of pointless to submit to the fund if there is, uh, like, I think the first element of research is like, who is the person? You, you think would mm-hmm. be a good match to what you're building and approach mm-hmm. that person. And if that person for some reason, like what we see quite a lot in the behind the scenes of Plural already today is that when when people see a, um, uh, a deal that they think it's a great team, a great company, big market, all of this, but for some reason it doesn't click with them personally, they very generously share it with other leads. And see if anybody else wants to pick that up. Um, so, so, but but having a first conversation with an actual human, I think, matters for everything in life, almost. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. All right. And and on this topic, uh, one 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 thing we were wondering about. So there's there's there must be a ton of things. But what are the the key lessons from your founder journeys that you are now applying as an investor and you know sharing with uh, with the, with the companies that you work with? On some level, like doesn't matter what I'm known. It's it's like what the founder <laughs> is struggling with is what usually comes to the table. And then mm. sometimes I can answer these things myself or there's relevant experience there. Sometimes I just know who other people I've run across other people who know it better than me. But things that, that where I pick up myself, uh, like, because most of my functional experience building companies has been around product and engineering and making these groups of people work with designers and sort of like collectively cross function and mm. build great products. So, so that's an area of passion. Uh, where, where I have a thought, like, obviously every startup, uh, has struggles with how do you hire people? How do you maintain the culture? How do you run distributed teams these days? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, how do you raise your next round? Like, do all this sort of g- generic across the board questions? Like, maybe if you've built a company before, you have a little bit different viewpoint than a, let's say, a pure financial investor would have on structuring your next round and how to how to be on the other side of the table actually is sometimes quite important being on the other side of the table that's uh, that's i guess uh, a conversation in itself so it's so, so with you guys there's probably just a round table no <laughs> yeah it's a very very long round table we hope this has been the first part of a two part series talking with Stan Tamkevi Part two will follow soon and which we'll talk about Stan's experience in the US at Stanford and at Andreessen Horowitz. We're going to talk about time management and combining different engagements. And finally, about the importance of balance and family and spending time with your newborn kids. Follow us, subscribe not to miss the next episode coming out very soon. If you like this show, remember to leave us a rating or review. It helps other people to discover the pursuit of scrappiness.